Good Humans is a proud member of Accidental Information. For more info, visit accidentalinformation.com. People of Earth, thank you for coming back for another episode of Good Humans. Um, this is... Uh, a, a, I'm so happy with this episode. Um, it's a special episode... Uh, for me, I got to talk to someone who I admire quite a bit, and I've been following for a long time, and he was nice enough to make time uh, to talk for a really long time to me. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, I, it's, I'm really happy with it, and uh, like I say every week, I'm excited for you guys to hear it. Uh, also, like I say every week, before we get into it, uh, I want to tell you about our Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash goodhumans. Go check it out. There's some cool stuff going on over there. Uh, we've got t-shirts. We've got stickers. Uh, we've got like weekly hangout chats. Um, if you guys are up for that, uh, we have full unedited episodes of the podcast over there. Um, all kinds of stuff going on. And what I'd like to do with it is do some stuff for our community Uh by our community, um, us, uh, you, the listeners, and me, uh, the weird guy that talks into a microphone all the time, um, whether people are listening or not. So go check out patreon.com slash goodhumans, um, and maybe something is there that you'll think is cool enough to pitch in a bit. Um, I also want to tell you before we get started, uh, with the episode, I want to tell you about something that uh, one of my guests, one of my former guests is doing that I think is really cool. Um, it's it's near and dear to my heart just because of my experience. And if, if you've listened to the podcast enough, uh, you'll know that I, I grew up uh, in a very conservative religious background. Um, but uh, Phil Drysdale, um, who I think was the first guest of uh, this season of the podcast, uh He is doing something really, really cool called the Deconstruction Network. And what he's doing is he's connecting people all over the world who are deconstructing their faith with other people in the same area who are also deconstructing their faith and facilitating conversations, meetups, whatever uh, people need. Um, And it's all through this website and the system that he's created and is live now, which is really exciting. Um, so I would love it if you guys go and check it out. Um, I've checked it out myself. It's really, really cool. I think it's going to be helpful. Um, and I'm hoping to be able to connect with other people in my area. Uh, but there are people all over the place, like literally all over the place. He's in England. Um, there's a lot of people over there. Um, and then there was people all throughout the United States, um, on here as well. So check it out. If, if you want to, if you're interested in that and and you want to, find out more. It's just the, the deconstruction network.com, the deconstruction network.com. Um, go check it out. It's all free. Um, and I think it could be really helpful, uh, and useful for people. So check that out as well. My guest this week is Mike Falzone. Mike Falzone has been on YouTube since 2006 and he's a musician, a stand up comedian. And, uh, I guess you would call it a vlogger, although that doesn't nearly touch what he does on YouTube. Um, Mike is one of the most authentic, genuine, nice, helpful people, uh, I've ever met. 
And this conversation was so funny and so refreshing. Um, Mike is just a, a genuinely nice person, really a, a very good human. Um, and I'm so happy that he made time uh, for this conversation. So I, I, I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. I laughed so much going back and, and editing it. Um, and, and so I hope that you enjoyed as much as I did. So uh, please enjoy my conversation with Mike Falzo. Hello, people of Earth, and welcome back to Good Humans. This is a podcast uh, about exploring better ways to be human. My name is Josh, and joining me this week uh, is the illustrious and um, the OG YouTube fame, uh, the the person of OG YouTube fame, Mike Falzone. What does illustrious mean, do you think? You know, I don't know. I think it's a good thing. I like it. It makes me sound fancy. Illustrious yeah, I, people wear robes, probably. Yeah. I always think of like Victorian era, lots of like big co- fluffy collars. Yeah, that's me. Which coincidentally, <laughs> that's what you're wearing right now. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah man. I do yeah. kind of um, look like a musketeer and I would say that they uh, would yeah. be illustrious. You just need to curl the ends of the mustache a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I'm sure you have the sword fighting down. Obviously. Already. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you're um, going with. So welcome. I'm I'm happy you're here. Thanks for making time to do this. Yeah, man. I'm happy I'm here too. I'm sorry it took so long to to do it. <laughs> uh, so Mike, for anybody that may not be familiar with your work, um, if you don't mind, tell us a little bit about yourself. Just whatever you think we should know. You know what? The way I've been asking this question lately, uh-huh. and it hasn't worked so far. So let's see if it works on you. Uh, what's on the back of your baseball card? Oh man. No, this isn't going to work at all. Like my stats. Oh, like no. My on base percentage. <laughs> you're okay. What's on the back of your wrestling trading card? Oh, card? okay. <laughs> okay. Much easier. Um, so I guess the easiest way to sum everything up is that I'm a comedian. I, my passion is with a uh, stand-up comedy and that's where all of, uh, or I would say, 90% of the creative energy that I have goes into creating and performing stand-up comedy and trying to do that every night in the city of Los Angeles, California. And um, I was able to kind of create and um, foster this really cool audience that I've been lucky enough to be able to um, entertain for a long time through YouTube and uh being one of the first people to like uh, consistently upload, I guess Uh, I uploaded my first YouTube video in 2006 when it became a website. So I've, I've just kind of been on for a long time and um, there I started doing music and then I transitioned from music to comedy and there have been, you know, like I said, this small but passionate group of people watching me for a long time and, lucky to have them and uh yeah that's pretty much it now i just try to work as much as possible in the city and uh try to get better at stand-up all the time and um travel around the country and meet as many people as uh humanly possible excellent there has Um, to be a shorter way to say that eventually yeah ladies that's all we have today and we'll see you guys next (laughs) week um and no i'm just kidding (laughs) um (laughs) 
so what actually one of the things I was curious about, Mike, uh, so I, I think I've been watching you definitely not since 2006, but um, maybe like 2012, somewhere oh, around cool. in there. It's been a little while. Yeah. Thank you. And uh, yeah, of course. And one of the things I was curious about um, is why the trans this is not this sounds like I'm judging your your decision. I'm not. I'm oh, just this curious. is one of those hard hitting podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. This is a gotcha <laughs> podcast. And now we're going to get you. Um, oh, no, I forgot. Why the transition from from music to comedy? Was it like just more interesting to you? Was it like, um, you know, I think your music was great. Oh, thank you very much, man. I just think it had its time and place in my life. And I've been missing it a lot recently. But there was a long stretch of time where I I didn't. But I had so much fucking fun, man, and I, I learned so many lessons, and I got to kind of, like, cut my teeth in New York City and, like, be around that environment yeah. at a younger age than I would have if I did, hadn't done music, you know? And yeah. uh, I learned a lot of good, valuable life lessons, and I met a lot of cool people, and... um I got to like make shit with a lot of cool people. So I don't regret any of it. I think just what happened um, down the line is I was always a big fan of stand up comedy, but I didn't think that I was smart enough to do it. And I, I learned that it's a, kind of a combination of like you get some life experience and then you have something to say about that life experience. And then uh, as I got older, certain things happened. I went through certain things in my life that were kind of like life altering. Like I got really sick a couple times and, uh, you know, moved across the country and, and all these things happened to start to give me this life experience and this perspective on things. And, um, and then it kind of bled into the making of all the stuff that I was making. And, uh, and I know in a live setting, I kind of started to fall in love with making people laugh in between the songs or during the songs more so than like oh, playing these songs themselves, you know, cause a lot of them, a lot of, a lot of my favorite songs I wrote at a very specific point in my life. And I was like uh single for the most part and talking a lot about that. And then like your priorities shift. Uh, I was lucky enough to never really hate, any of my songs and that was nice because i would always look forward to playing them yeah but then it's like i think to perform them the best you got to kind of like put yourself in the shoes of or i would have to put myself in the shoes of like where i was when i wrote it and blah 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 and i started identifying with that stuff less and less but i missed the actual act of doing it and like especially with a band like being able to to be loud with some of my best friends, yeah, um, that is definitely something I I miss a lot and just noodling yeah. around. I really don't play music at all anymore, which is so yeah, weird because it was such a big part of my life for a long time. Yeah, there's something there's something really unique and special about like getting a group of of people together and and making the same song mm-hmm. all together. Yeah. Uh, it never stops fascinating me. Like anytime I play music with my friends, the like, just the idea that four, five, six, however many people are getting together, and you're all playing the same song, and everybody's doing a very specific thing, and it's it just sounds great. Yeah, well, nice. hopefully, yeah, uh, it's yeah, eventually it's a nice thing. it sounds great. Um, so you like you almost started looking forward to the talking between songs more than the songs themselves. Yeah, it went from like regular songs usually about how girls didn't like me 
to <laughs> funny songs about how girls didn't like me to funny songs about things that had nothing to do with girls to like doing this. I remember one of my favorite singer songwriters ever, this guy, Mike Doty started doing these, um, uh, what were they called? Uh, mystery jar or question jar shows where he would show up and he'd play his songs, uh, usually like a house concert circuit. Okay. And uh, he would have this jar and people could anonymously submit questions and then he would answer them in between the songs. So it would be like a, you know, a little improv exercise or like funny banter, you know, guided funny banter. And uh, my favorite podcast, by the way, (laughs) guided funny banter. (laughs) Um, So uh, I got inspired by that and I did a couple of those in Connecticut and and New York. And we had a really great time with that. And I was kind of in between doing that specific thing and kind of trying to mesh a comedy and music thing. And I was at the tail end of um, my band at the time, uh, Mike Falzone and the Peppermint Trick. And, uh, And that was so much fun. But it's like, you know, there's only so long that a group of young guys in their 20s can get along and be on the same schedule. And, you know, (laughs) but, um, you know, uh, again, I don't regret any of it and had had the best time doing all that stuff. But, yeah, eventually it just got more rewarding to to make people laugh. And then it became like a uh, can I do this without the guitar thing? And then I tried to prove that to myself. And that takes a long time. Um, and then I've kind of been doing that ever since. Yeah. Yeah. And so like and you were. So you started doing YouTube videos in in 2006. Yeah. Um and I'm I'm assuming that was part of this exercise of like trying to fi- like is trying to figure out your voice and just do, you know, create things. Um what the the question I'm I'm trying to get at is what is it like to be on YouTube since 2006 and see how much has changed but that's such a that sounds like such a cliche question it I'm is, legitimately curious I though. mean it might be a cliche question but I honestly don't think I could tell you certain specific things but I think that I won't be able to really answer that question until I'm like super far removed from it cuz like even though I try to like I have people that I hire to edit now and that was mm. such like a huge step and that was very recent, you know? And uh, you could talk to anyone who's who's been doing it for a long time and takes the step to like hire out other people. Like for whatever reason, it's this huge like emotional step and it was hard for me to let go of that stuff, but it's made my life a lot easier. But I still don't feel like I'm removed from the making of the thing. Like I still feel like I'm just, it's a thing that I do consistently, you know? So I could tell you like, you know, technical things that were different and it used to be, um, and I also don't want to make it sound like I'm longing for the old days either. Cause everything has its <laughs> place and time, you know? Yeah. But, um, it did feel like more of a canvas back in the day. It was kind of like an anything goes and then people would watch the most interesting thing and everything kind of started from the same level. And now it's very like formulaic and there are certain Mm. things you could do to break through and to fool this like algorithm or to work with this algorithm or, or whatever. And even the idea of an algorithm 
itself is like a thing but it used to be yeah. like there were people curating the front page when there were far less of us and mm-hmm. if somebody thought that your shit was interesting they'd put it on the front page regardless of whatever and then uh it would kind of have this shot at a bigger audience and sometimes mm-hmm. that would happen organically and that was awesome to watch and be a part of and um it still happens sometimes but it's the way it was explained to me from YouTube people is like it used to be a town filled with people and then it was a city and then it was a state and a country and now it's like a world, you know? So it's like, how do you govern a world? But that's yeah. kind of how it's different. It, I remember it used to feel a lot more social too. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I, like with you, video responses and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then like you'd get on and you'd you would just find random like people that you had no idea who this person was. Nobody knew who they were. They just made a weird thing. Yeah, and you would just find it somehow. Um, yeah, and then there's video responses and all that crazy stuff. Um, now it seems a lot more. Uh, I don't know what the word is. It doesn't seem as social anymore. It seems a lot more. Um, like a, it seems more like a streaming service. Yeah, it's now. just kind of like this thing that you feed. You know, yeah. and the people are still there. Like I said, with the whole like, you know, there was a point in time where I was getting like, like 20, 30, 40, 50,000 views on a video, like real consistently. And like that number obviously has tapered off, but the people who are still there are like really passionate people who, especially because what I've done has changed so many times. Like I got on the site in 2006 mm. and I was strictly a musician and now I'm very, very like strictly stand up comedian. And there are people who've come on at certain points, whether I was like the, you know, at the very beginning for music or like come over from like source fed or whatever. But what I noticed about the people who are still here is they're like, we're here for whatever you want to do. And that's kind yeah. of like the craziest, most ideal, m- most precious audience you could have as an artist, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's, I think one thing that has kind of disappeared from YouTube is like the artistry of it. Now it's like, who's the best at this game? Like it used to be like, um, you know, you create something that, that no one's ever seen before or something like really enjoyable and then people watch that and now it's like your titles have to be this and your thumbnails have to be this and you have to have these words in your description and you know like all this other stuff yeah it's uh, like it's like who's who's making good stuff but also who's got the skill set to be able to you know market yeah yeah i guess marketing is the the big part of it now too yeah not to say that the stuff that does that gets a lot of views now isn't good. You know, it's just different. Than oh no. Yes. And I, that, that part of it, the, the part of it of like creating a community and then like you're, you're creating a community of people that, like you said, are just down to, to they're down for whatever down you're going to do. Like they're, yeah, they're down to clown. <laughs> they're, they're in for, they're just in for like whatever it is that you're going to do. They're in and, to win. They're down you know, to clown. Yeah. Um, let's see. Can we, how many more of those? I honestly think that's it. But one cool thing that's, that's happening now is like, um, you know, in my world, like all the stand up comedians that have like a podcast, a podcast, Mm. or if it's just like one of them looking at a camera, like that's just vlogging. That's just like really good vlogging. 
And it was funny how, like, I try not to wear this like a burden, you know? But I remember when I first started stand-up comedy and when I was doing it for the first time, like, 10 years ago or, or traveling to the city, New York City, to do it, like, eight or nine years ago, it's like people look down upon the YouTube thing a lot. You know, uh. and even when I moved out here, people would be like, why do people come to see you? Like, you haven't been around the L.A. scene. We don't know you. Um, like, why do why do people like, give a shit like about you? Like club promoters and stuff like that? Some. Are saying this? Yeah, like club promoters more so wouldn't just wouldn't get back to you because they'd be like, why oh. should we pay attention to you at all? And part of that is warranted yeah. because of the skill level. But part of just seeing like. You know, a lot of them want people with television credits. So the idea is if people saw you on television, they would pay a certain amount to come to the club to see you because they're familiar with you. And I have spent the last however many years trying to explain to them that, like, you know, we have people too, which just like not on a TV. It's like people watch things on their computers and on their phones now. It's crazy. You, you got to check this out. <laughs> There's this thing called the Internet. Yeah. And that's just hard. It was hard to convince people of that. And now it's like there's been such a shift of like every club has an Instagram and a, a YouTube channel and every comedian has a podcast and a YouTube channel and an Instagram and a Twitter. And it's become yeah. very, you know, I just started doing things at a very interesting time, you know, mm -hmm. so I feel like I mm -hmm. was, I don't know. That's exactly how I feel. I feel like I started all of this at a very interesting time. Yeah. And it's the, you, you talked with James DeAngelis, James DeAngelis, whatever and, that kid's uh, name a is. Few, yeah. That guy, um, a few weeks ago about, about some of this too. And like the idea of like how freeing it is that you would have people that are like, yeah, we're here. Like, yeah, whatever you're doing. So crazy. Um, yeah. And so like you're so you start as a musician in 2006 and then um, eventually transition from that to like some of the like advice videos, I guess. Yeah. Quote unquote. Um, and then uh, now the Mike in the Morning Show, which is awesome. And even that I've noticed is like that's like evolved a little bit mm -hmm. since it started. Yeah, it's not done um, yet either. <laughs> oh, no, no. We're going to keep making it like I. uh Recently, first of all, thank you for staying on board through all of that stuff. I know that it must be yeah. confusing, especially if like if you fall in love with like one format of a thing and then somebody takes a turn. See, but that's that's one thing that like that's one thing I wanted to talk about. Like I I have a fe I had the feeling that as a creator, it might feel like if I change this, it's going to be confusing for my audience. Uh -huh. I for my part, I I think probably most people, it's it's not so much confusing as like. Oh, this is new. And then, you know, yeah. Great. Let's it's a new thing. Awesome. That's really cool. Um, man. I think the casual people are more inclined to fall off. Like if somebody found uh, you know, Mike in the Morning episode 3 and wants it to be that way through episode 153, that's, you know, yeah, it's going to be a little yeah. confusing for them. But like I said, like there are people like you who are like really in it to win it down a clown <laughs> and so on and so forth. And, uh, and that's really, dude, I, I can't tell you how valuable it is to have a group of people behind you and be like, like, I love the artist shepherd fairy. He does all the mm -hmm. obey stuff. 
And I love all of his Andre the Giant based stuff, but I also love the other stuff that he does because I love whatever comes out of his like mind and whatever is his style. Um, I tried to have like a running through line with the majority of the things that I made going back to the advice stuff that's carried on through the Mike in the morning things is I always try to be like funny and helpful. And I feel like no matter what it is, or what format it's in, if there's a through line through all of it, that like you mm. could tell your friends, like if they're like, who is Mike Falzone? Why do you watch him? If you were just like, well, he's funny and he's kind of helpful. Like that's a, in, that's a very quick way to say, you know, rather than like he, yeah. that there's this guy on the internet who does whatever <laughs> he wants pretty much. You know, he just he does a morning show kind of. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, comes out around three. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's it's for some reason it's a morning show mm-hmm. um, because you're filming in the morning. I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That's what well, it's become. Because yeah. it's too like, you know, it's morning for me here, but then I gotta upload it at like fucking five or something to get it to yeah. be in the morning for the whole I U.S. I don't think any of your fans are expecting that name to be literal yeah so good you're off the hook good thank god especially by this point <laughs> so like the the funny and helpful thing because you're like i've heard you say that a ton mm-hmm. um especially the helpful part um and i think it's i think it's obvious watching a, a few videos that you're funny oh thanks <laughs> but, man it's um, always the best to say that it, you're helpful about yourself too just to let people know <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> But where does where does that um, especially like the advice videos and you I, I've noticed you still do like some of that like you do some of that on the podcast sometimes. Yeah. Um, and then like these interviews have been cool on Mike in the morning because um, those are really helpful too. cool. And so I like I'm wondering was that were, was that an intentional part of like did you intend to build a community when you started making content on youtube or was it like uh i just want to make things um it was more like of a, I where just did that make things but always i guess coming from music under the impression that if you make things like you'll get fans and you'll get an audience that will want to see and consume the future things that you make you know so i guess oh, that yeah. was always the goal is like you want to want to have people that you can entertain for an extended period of time you know how did the how did the advice stuff start? Did you just ask for questions or like did somebody did somebody just start that by writing in and asking you something? I think and you were like, oh, there's a thing. I think the first one I ever did technically was like how to find true love. And it was just very you know, I, I think I was getting bored with doing covers. And I was like, I'm a musician, but I'm also kind of funny. How can I set myself apart? Because I try to do that every once in a while. You know, not that I'm going to reinvent the wheel or anything like that. But I try to be like, if a lot of people are doing this, like, YouTube musician cover thing, how can I use what I have to be different? You know? Mm. So I was like, I'll play the music for my own videos, I'll kind of like do the backing track and you'll see me do that. And I think I did that. I like played this guitar riff and it cut back and forth between me playing guitar and me doing this like tongue in cheek, like this is step by step what you need to do to find true love today type thing, 
you know so that was just an attempt at me trying to make my own thing and then i think from there i would just think of like funny lists to do i remember i was living in milford connecticut at the time and we had this little apartment on the water and it was just like me and this kid I lived with, John, he was an artist too and he was a musician. So we just made shit all the time. We smoked a lot of weed and we had bullshit jobs and we just had enough money to like pay rent and play music. And so we just made shit all the time. And we did that for like two years. And then, uh, then I got sick at the end of that two years. And when I got sick, it was like really bad. Like I almost didn't come out of the hospital. I had like some appendix Mm. issues and then the appendix like ruptured on the operating table and I got like a sepsis of my entire body and then I got like a pulmonary embolism and that's all the technical stuff that happened. So I almost died like a couple times. So then when I got out of the hospital from that, I had these people writing you know, these questions. And I was like, Oh, like, first of all, in the hospital to that point, that was the lowest point of my life. Like Mm. I was so sad. I was so fucking depressed because I was like, dude, I'm like tethered to this bed with like all these fucking IVs and shit like that. And there's no, like, no one's telling me I'm going to get out in a couple days or whatever. I'm just here, you know? And I was like, Oh, time is the most precious thing ever. And, uh, that's the greatest gift you can give someone if you could just give them a little bit more time, you know, or, mm-hmm. or if I could talk about something that I had experience in that I could help somebody bypass some bullshit that yeah. would give them more time. And that would be giving them the greatest gift that you could give. repeating it back saying, I'm gonna make a YouTube video that will in turn be the greatest gift you could possibly (laughs) give someone is a very up your ass thing to say. But, um, that's what I was trying to do. Like I always just tried to like be, I always try to add some value. Like why would somebody watch your shit over somebody else's shit? And the idea was that it would have some value. And if it could save you a little bit of time, that is great (laughs) i i love i love that answer and i love it because i think it's genuine i think it's obvious that 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 part is not that the rest of it isn't genuine but i i think it's obvious that that part is genuine and i think it's obvious that you are genuinely trying to be helpful um so I, I wouldn't say it's up your ass to say that you were trying to make a YouTube video that's going to be <laughs> that would be a, the greatest gift help. you've ever been given <laughs> in your life. <laughs> because I'm sure I'm sure for some people it probably was. Um, but I like you know I don't it doesn't come off like that's your attitude when you're making a, a whatever you're making. Well, good. Um, so then you're you're doing these videos and you're you're trying to be helpful and maybe even funny. Um, and you're 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 doing like even even during the like advice video times there was like you did these cool things every now and then where it would be like um oh man making women happy uh-huh. um <laughs> was one of my favorite things that i i thought that was great yeah man um, i think that was before and then your time too <laughs> <laughs> it was <laughs> um and then you're, uh, I'm forgetting his name, your photographer friend. Steve Walter. Um, 
Yeah, and like some of the stuff with him was was really really cool. Yeah, man. Um, and so like you're, like you said, you were just making stuff all the time. I'm wondering where, where does that come? Is it like has that just always been part of your personality that you just need like you have this need to create or yeah i mean it i knew that i wanted to be a a musician at a very young age uh i always loved music and my you know my dad and his brothers would play music for us every uh every christmas and that christmas eve and that was like a big deal to us that's cool and then um they played music together when they were younger for as long as they could stand each other and i think that was always <laughs> a point of contention and that would teach me a valuable lesson through every other band i've ever been <laughs> but um and then i remember my uncle tommy played paul mccartney in a couple beetle mania bands and i became a huge beatles fan and uh i always admired that a lot and those were a couple of like the first concerts i ever was at you know that's cool and um i just fucking loved music And, uh, I loved, you know, it was always like, I remember being super fucking super, super nervous the first time playing music in, in public. And then, you know, same thing with, with up all those years later, it's like super, super nervous. And I was thinking about this this morning. I was at a very, very young age. I was at a summer camp and at the end of every year we would have a talent show and they convinced me to sing a verse of the Soul for Rain song. Uh, Soul for Real, <laughs> Candy Rain. Still to this day, one of my favorite songs ever. But the second verse was mine, and there were choreography. There was choreography. And uh, I just remember like doing it, and I have very little memory of it actually happening because you practice all summer, and then it's gone in yeah. like four minutes. Plus, I'm a little kid. But I remember people like loving it. And I remember before that, I was like, what did I do before that that was like in the public eye? I just didn't like perform really, you know? Um, so that was and the how, first How thing old I, were you oh, when you I did this? I don't know, man. So young. Probably like 10-ish. I don't know. Oh, wow. But I remember getting like a good response from that and being like, okay, that's that's great. I didn't know that it could go well. You know, and um, you didn't know that was an option. Didn't know it was an option. We would just yeah. do it because that's what you do. And then uh, the music thing, I started getting like good responses from the music thing every once in a while, even though like, you know, all these things take so long to get good at. But you get encouragement along the way. And I really think that that is like the X factor in a lot of situations like the, you know, I think that's what makes talented people is encouragement. My parents were always like super down for me doing anything creative, even when it came time to like quit baseball to play music. Yeah. They were like bummed out that I didn't want to do baseball anymore because my family loves baseball. But uh, they were super happy that I was doing this thing. And even now, like, you know, so many comedians have that whole like, Oh, my parents, I'm a comedian, I'm a clown, and my parents hate it. Yeah. But my parents yeah. fucking love it. It's like I That's great. You know, I think about it all the time. It's like they their parents had it so tough being like first generation, like right off the boat, like Ellis Island, you know? Mm-hmm. And then their parents and everyone's parents strives for a tougher or a, an easier life for their kids. You yeah. know? So it's like my great great grandparents were Ellis Island people. And then 
grandparents were born in New York and then my dad was born in New York. My mom was born in Stanford and it's like, you know, they get different jobs. Like my, my grandfather was a butcher. My dad was a carpenter. My mom's this financial analyst person and they work as hard as they can. So their kids could have like better lives. And then I try to make people happy, you know? Yeah. And like, I might not be rich, but that's the best job, you know, from coming from a place of like, almost not coming out of the hospital and trying to get Mm -hmm. some perspective on life. I think the best job that I could have is like trying to make people laugh all the time, you know? Yeah, man. So it's like, they, they did it. I got no one to pass it on to, but they did. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, sad. Yeah, for sure. Um, (laughs) I, this reminds me of two things. One, I've heard Jarrett Sleeper say this so many times, but um, the subway guy talks about. Yeah, yeah, the subway guy. (laughs) Um, Not such a great guy anymore, but you know he had some good quotes back in the day. Like look uh, at all these pants he he said. (laughs) Look at all these big pants. Um, He uh, (laughs) he said so many times that um, that like all these stories of like adversity, like people do really really amazing things after going through like really tough times like nobody believes in them everybody's down on them and they were like fuck you i'm gonna do it anyway um and he talks about all the time like the the idea that what if what if that was just flipped on its head what if you had somebody that was like i think you can do that yeah and then helped you however they could and i mean wouldn't that be better like it's in your case like it sounds like that was part of it um which is awesome and it's always so refreshing to hear that but um i think about that a lot when when somebody tells me that they want to do something and it might sound crazy or it might sound like yeah very few people actually get to do that thing but by all means go for it and you know like if if there's any chance that you could succeed you know let's help along the way yeah um but what you're saying at the tail end there made me think of there's a quote and i'm gonna fuck it up there's a quote by I think it was, I don't know, Thomas Jefferson or, or like one of those old guys. And um, he said something like our our fathers and mothers are, you know, farmers and butchers and and, uh, you know, those like the the really hard jobs. There's no way um, he said all this I'm, stuff. <laughs> I'm departing. I'm departing from the quote at that point. Yeah. Um, but he said so that we, you know, their children can be the philosophers and poets and, and theologians and, and whatever. Yeah. And I think about that a lot too, because, you know, I, there's this, there's the, the barrier to entry of creativity is so far less and, and so lower than it used to be. You know, it used to be that like, if you wanted to be a musician in order to get your music out there, you had to like walk to studios and hand out demos and you had to like, or send out demos and you had to like play just as many shows as you could, which is still, that's all part of it. But then there's this whole other thing of the internet and you can show your music to millions of people all at once if you want. Mm -hmm. And so like all of us, you know, like I have a podcast and so like everybody can have a thing if they want it. We've all got a platform. Um, And not that long ago, people were eating, you know, onion sandwiches because that was all they could afford. And it's just so crazy. Like in a person's lifetime, how much different the world is 
and so sometimes I start, I almost feel bad that I haven't had to go through any of that. Yeah. And so I'm like, well, what the fuck do I have to sandwich. say? Yeah. Yeah. So I eat onion sandwiches all day, every day now, Good. just so I can get in that headspace. Um, but I'm like, well, you know, what do I have to say? Because I, like, I didn't go through all that. But then, I don't know. So the other part of me says, well, I mean, it's not my fault that I didn't have to go through that. I'm grateful that I didn't have to. And I'm sure my parents wouldn't want me to have to. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I can only speak to the world as it is now. Um, but I think that lets us focus on, you know, like, what's the next thing that we can make better? Um, and now we're having those conversations, right? We're talking about, like, equality, you know, whatever your race, gender, creed, um, sexual orientation, whatever it is. And we're talking about, uh, you know, like, how do we make quality of life better for people? And so those conversations are being had, which is awesome. Um, <clears throat> I'm talking so much. I, I guess, like, what I'm trying to get at is where do you where do you find I think comedy is a huge part of that. Now this is so, all from Thomas Jefferson. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still going <laughs> the quote. I haven't, I haven't given the end quote yet. <laughs> end quote. <laughs> end quote. Um, where do you find comedy has a, like what, what's the place of comedy in, in all of this? Cause I, that's, that's not a pandering question. I think comedy is incredibly important. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think I like, I've really been getting into it too in like the last few years not that i think i'll ever do it but like just really beyond just listening to something and thinking it's funny um like studying the like the art and the work that goes into it yeah and the craft and it's i think philosophically it's it's one of the most cathartic art forms because like music i can listen to it and enjoy it but there's something about comedy when a comedian says something that's true because yeah. you're telling the truth ultimately. And when you tell the truth that I might be afraid to tell myself, but a comedian is saying it for all of us. Mm-hmm. And then we all get to laugh at it together. There's something really cathartic about that. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's a anyway, very so back interesting to my, reaction and it's a very yeah. like, um, special reaction to be able to make somebody laugh. Like I, I talk about this every once in a while with music. It's like when a song is over, you clap because you know, the song is over, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that everyone was moved by the experience, but they recognize that it's over. So they're like, this yeah, is very what we do with the, the song. Yeah. But laughing, it's like, if you can, ma- and there's all these different types of laughter, like, you know, doing well and killing, like there's so much space in between those two things. And then bombing, you know, it's like these different worlds that you live in up, up there, you know? And, uh, I think the, the, the role it plays is, you know, there's always been storytellers. There's always been like people sitting around a fire, like sharing stories and sharing their convictions and like how they feel about things. And, you know, their shared experience, the truth about the shared experience and solving problems with humor. It's like, there's always been these things. And especially now, like it doesn't matter what's going on with YouTube or what's going on with television or the, the radio. There's something about, the live experience of comedy that like you're shoulder to shoulder with all these strangers and the room is cold and there's just one spotlight on one person holding one thing that makes their voice louder. And it's like, do you have this experience with all these people? It's like the most beautiful 
most pure art form that there is as far as I'm concerned, I think. Yeah. Amen. The, and the like the feedback amen. End quote. And the feedback is is immediate. Yeah. Um well hopefully if it's you know, like if you're if you're <laughs> doing it quote unquote right, then the feedback is immediate. Like you say a thing and people laugh and then you know that okay, so that resonates like that. Yeah. That's a true thing. Um by the way, what do you think it like I I've thought I, cause you said like, you know, one commu- like one person's holding a thing that makes their voice louder and every, every comedy special I've seen, the comedian is holding a mic and there are like headset mics. Yeah. But those look so, what do you stupid. think it is? They do look stupid, but what do you think it is like that? Cause it would change the whole dynamic. If a comedian was wearing one of those headset things yes. instead of holding a mic. When Garth what? Brooks starts doing stand up comedy. <laughs> Or yeah. or ice skating and and saying comedy yeah. at the same time, it just seems like a totally different dynamic. I mean, maybe it's I'd, a power thing. Maybe it's see. like you know, friggin' pagan caveman whoever has the stick <clears throat> gets the talk. Oh, that's cheer true. camp. Yeah, that's spirit true. stick. You have the sh- the sharing stick. Mm-hmm. So what's the? I'm interested about the. Um, I still haven't seen a show of yours, by the way. Um, I I. Will Where you live? Hopefully soon. I'm in right now. I'm in North Carolina. We just moved from Chicago. Oh well, I'm um, going to Chicago. God damn it. Oh damn it. Move back. Well, when? Because I'm I'm gonna be out there like next week. Uh, it's not, not next week. Next week. Oh, all right. Yeah. Well, can you move it for next week? I'll do my best. I'll make some calls. Okay. I'll make some calls too if it don't help. <laughs> yeah. It will. Um, <laughs> call everyone you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll call everybody I know. None of them work at comedy clubs. That doesn't or matter. Know anyone that works? Just, at com- let's okay, just fine. make a racket. Okay, we'll just make a lot of noise, and then hopefully uh, somebody will we'll just we can book you a space at somebody's house. You could do a living room comedy Dude, show. I've done. Wait, those exist? Oh yeah, for sure. I've done a lot of. Yeah. Those. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just I surprised myself with an idea that already exists. Wait a minute. Um, <laughs> that's a great idea. Uh, man, I just got myself so off track now. Um, that's okay. Oh, oh, so. The what I've seen of of your stuff is is really really funny, um, and so I'm I'm interested though like what do you what's the experience like when you bomb, um, and what do you <laughs> if you don't want to talk about that that's no fine. everybody wants um, to talk about that. Okay, good. So what's the experience like when you bomb, and then what do you like what are you learning like what's the feedback from that because like what's the learning experience like because that's. <laughs> like as I've I've played live music a few times and those like I in the moment is when like when I'm playing music that's when I like feel the most alive that's when I remember like every tiny small little detail but the shows that did not go well at all mm-hmm. are the ones that I really remember why would they not um, go well do you think are you what do you play uh some original stuff mostly covers but like, no, but like a lot of 90s instrument? covers Oh, guitar. And you sing? Um, acoustic, yeah, and sing. Uh-huh. So what goes so, bad at the bad shows? People of Earth, this episode of Good Humans is brought to you by Accidental Information. Accidental Information is an amazing, inspirational organization that is actually run by Christopher Swan, who was a guest in last season of this show. What he's doing with this organization is helping each and every one of us celebrate what makes us different and then use that to improve our personal lives and our careers. 
I love this organization so much, and it's not just because we just joined their podcast network. It's because each and every article and show that they have contains directly applicable and practical advice that will improve your personal life or your career. I love the articles that they post, such as How Binge Watching Helps You Live a Better Life, Five Amazing People Who Have Used Adversity to Spark Creativity, Five Ways to Learn from Every Podcast You Hear, How to Tap into Your Creativity, and so many more. If you're interested, you should check out accidentalinformation.com and tell them Good Humans sent you. Hey, people, Rich, just real quick, I need to tell you that uh, there's a little bit of a weird break in between where we just left off and where we're about to pick up. It's because the cable guy came right in the middle of this interview and my Internet went out. And so it cut off Mike and I's Mike and Ike, Mike and I, Mike and I. Um, It cut off our conversation (laughs) in the middle and we neither one of us were expecting it. Um, So we had to jump back in. So it's a little bit weird, but it's fine. We got the rest of it. Uh, and Mike was cool about it. So yeah, enjoy. Okay. I don't remember. Oh, I do remember what I just asked you. And then you were trying to interview me instead of, uh, instead of me interviewing you, I was asking oh, you, you said about what it's like to bomb. Yeah. What, it, what's the experience like to, to bomb and what are you, what, what are you learning from that? Yeah. And then I said, what is it like for you when your music music shows don't do good yeah so for me it's like for me it's like um it's either we'll try a, like an arrangement that doesn't work well um people just don't like it or um how do you know that people don't like it though that's what i'm getting oh because i'm i'm looking at i i i look at people's faces when i play yeah and i like i usually pick like four or five people in the crowd and like you so usually i can tell like when we get up on stage and like we introduce ourselves and we play like a song or two we usually start out with like the stronger stuff, you know, like we want to get people bought in. Um, and so I'll pick like five or four or five people that I, I feel like I'm vibing with at the beginning of the show. <laughs> and so I'll watch their faces and I'm like, okay, if that expression changes at any point, something's not going well. Yeah. And so then like, I'll see people react a certain way to like a certain arrangement or a variation on a melody. Um, or I'll forget lyrics. Sometimes I do that. Um, Cause I'll like I get so wrapped up in the music we're playing, That's the best. and then I forget that I'm I need to do sing you do something. Fake words? Oh no, no! I just stop singing completely. <laughs> um, the radio edit version. And then, uh, so like that's that's the stuff. And like, for me, I'm like, you know, there's the obvious feedback of like, okay, people don't like that arrangement, or you know, maybe just the song is not the right fit or whatever. Um, but I also feel like. Like we'll play a whole show where nothing definitely goes wrong, but it just doesn't feel good. And the yeah. crowd response isn't fantastic. And those are the shows where I'm like, I, we just didn't feel like we connected with anyone. Um, you know, like everybody was just sort of waiting for it to be over so that they could yeah. leave without being rude, which to that's worse in, in my, cause I'm like, what we didn't necessarily do anything wrong. People just didn't like it at all. Um, so all of those things also happen with stand up. Oh, okay. but there's no music. Yeah. So imagine how bad you feel, but you still get to like make this sound <laughs> and like dic- dictate when things are over. Yeah. 
via this sound uh-huh. that you're making together as friends. Uh-huh. Imagine that alone without the music. <laughs> no, thank you. So that's kind of what that is like. You ever, um, like you're at a party and you're in a group of like five or six people and you say something that you think is real funny that doesn't land? Most of the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, good. Perfect. <laughs> so imagine there's more people and you're the only one who's allowed to talk <laughs> and it doesn't go well. I'm- and you have to be up there for like 30 more minutes. <laughs> <laughs> You can't just be like, okay, I'm going to go talk to that group of people. Um, right. It's the same group. Yeah. You, and then you have to try and recover it. So what is it like? Yeah. What is it? I mean, oh, you learn so much. Yeah. Man. So what is it? What you is, learn so much about every little thing, you, you know, like joke writing. If, you know, you learn about joke structure you learn about set list structure all this stuff comes from bombing you're like you know am i making that you have to constantly think about how you're making this group of people feel and you have to always be thinking about them and if something doesn't if something that you would really stand behind doesn't work you have to figure out why they're not on the same page as you so there's a lot of like you know where what's the missing link between the way I'm thinking and the way these strangers are thinking. Have you been surprised by anything that like that worked that you didn't necessarily think would work or vice versa? Yeah. I mean, that's one of the best parts of living in the time we live in now and having this phone in my pocket that I could just record every single set on. It's like, it's the, the best tool you could possibly have. You know, so I listen to stuff all the time and I listen to where I think people are supposed to be laughing. And then I listen to places where people laugh that I didn't necessarily expect them to. Uh And those are like the, you know, you can make your set exponentially better by enhancing the places where people laugh where you weren't expecting them to. Because then you have like your jokes that are hopefully, you know, get to the point where everyone's laughing when they're supposed to. And then you're enhancing the parts where you didn't think were funny, but are funny to other people. And you're figuring out why that works. And then at the end of that, you just have this like, you know, five, 10, 15 minutes, whatever it is that has like all these laughs per minute, you know, and you're just trying to squeeze as many of those in there comfortably as, as possible. Are you like when you're putting together a show, are you like, is it sort of like a set list? Like, are you putting together like a set list of jokes or is Sometimes. it like, is it most times? Okay. Um, do you ever like, yeah. do you like a, like a, a more like over art, like a, not like a, like one big story, but like a through line. Like, do you ever have like, this is the direction yeah, I kind of like, want to go with it. And Sometimes normally like around LA, what I'll do is anywhere between seven and 10 to 15 minutes. Those are the most, the most, um, frequent types of spots are like eight to 10 minutes. So I'll say, you know, in, in a lot of those, I'll talk about me. It's a lot of stuff centered around me or my childhood or, or whatever. So I'll say, I'm going to talk about me and then I'll talk about my wife or I'll talk about like how I look. And then I'll talk about 
my childhood or, or whatever. And uh, I think that that type of storytelling helps an audience get invested more if you have the time to get them invested. Yeah. You know, a lot of times you have a three-minute set, like a showcase for a booker or an open mic or something, and you're just going up there and being like, what three jokes do I have that might work? And then there's, you know, an hour especially uh, – and I've gone back and forth on this a lot, but I, I think a satisfying hour has kind of an arc, you know, and you start talking about one thing and it's like, you know, first it's about me, then it's about the audience, then it's about all of us together yeah, or, yeah. you know, you figure out how to structure something like that. It's all a different, they're all their own thing, you know? Yeah. I, one of my favorite specials I've ever watched was Mike Birbiglia's, um My Girlfriend's Boyfriend. Uh-huh. And all of his stuff is, is, is sort of, uh, like one big story with like jokes throughout, but that one, especially man, that's like, it's powerful. It's like, it's, it's all one story and it's hilarious. And it like, there's parts that'll make you cry. Um, like that was, that's, it's good stuff. I like that. But like, yeah, he's an incredible comedian. That's like, th- I think he's doing what you're talking about. Like he's like, he's talking about himself enough to get you invested in the story. Um, and then you're like, it's not just happening to him. It's happening to all of you, which I think yeah. goes back to like what we were talking about. Like it's, it's a very cathartic experience going to a comedy show. Um, cause the comedian saying like, you know, this thing happened to me the other day and it was really awkward and weird. And all of us, whether we've had that specific experience or not are going, I've had awkward, weird things happen to me and oh my gosh, it's okay to laugh at that. Um, mm-hmm. cool. You know? And then it's doesn't seem so heavy. Maybe. Is it, um, like, do you, do you have, do you have times when, do you, do you feel like you're the best gauge of what's working and what's not? Or do you rely on like other people's input? Um, right now I feel like it's, it's me. And I feel like most of the time as a stand up comedian, it's you. And then once in a while, either you'll get a mentor or you'll be lucky enough to travel around with some people where you trust their feedback on your stuff. Like I always try to surround myself with people who are much, much, much better than me at what I do. And you know, any feedback that those people drop are, is incredibly helpful. You know, like uh, some of the, the veteran guys will take you out on the road every once in a while. And then they'll say something about one of your jokes or about how the crowd is or, Mm. Or whatever, and I learn something every time, you know. Cool. But as far as like day to day writing a new joke and then workshopping the joke and trying to fit it into wherever it goes in your act, like that's you have to develop your ability to be the gauge, right? On. You know, and and um, really think about what's working and and why. And now you're doing um, a lot of these crowd work shows, which mm-hmm. is intensely fascinating to me and oh, seems yeah. terrifying all at the same time because it's it's literally there's you have no material going into this and you're just yeah. relying on like <laughs> crowd interaction for the show and these are like these are i mean there's several comedians but like these are full-length shows right like these are this is like yeah an hour or so or more yeah for sure um, i mean the portland one was like an hour and a half yeah that's awesome but i i don't know if i consider that a full hour and a half because there was like a there was a q a section at the end and I feel like that is, that's just kind of like super easy. Sure. But an hour of it was 
you know, trying to mine stuff yeah. from just audience interaction. And that for me comes from the whole music thing. Like I was, um, how old are you right now? 33. 33. Yeah. So we're roughly the same age. So when I was like, um, 20, 21, I would play in the corner of a deli in Fairfield, Connecticut for like three, four hours at a time okay. or a bar, or I went on tour of a, you know, borders books. Uh, you did a borders books tour. The, Oh, dude, yeah, they had my my first album, 2009, Fun with Honesty, in a bunch of Borders books in the Northeast, right? That's amazing. So no one knew who I was, so no one would buy it because they wouldn't, aside from, like, the art being good, you never heard from this person before. So I would, like, go bring them my album, and I would play a show, or I would just play in the cafe, and I would play for, like, hours at a time, you know? And so to make people like you, I would talk to people, in between. So the crowd work thing is something I've been doing, you know, since I started music to help people have a good time. Yeah. You know? So that's like, I hear a lot of people say how, how scary that is. And a lot of the comedians that I ask to do it are like, get nervous about it. But it's like, you know, I only ask people who I think are really funny and anyone funny could make a funny conversation. Like I see him do it all the time. You know, it's just a very different thing. Like your material is very different from the crowd work yeah, thing. Yeah. And it's, I love it because it's like, so even with what's considered reality TV now is very scripted and very, um, everything is very polished and whatever. There's no spontaneity in anything anymore. And to be able to go to like a theater experience and to be like, this is only happening tonight in front of me and all these people, we're all having this experience. This like one time only these aren't jokes that are going to be like, you know, told every night across the country until they're perfect, which has its own spot and is beautiful as its own thing. But I think that people see value in, in this other thing too. Yeah. That's, it's such a, I'm definitely going to hit one of those up at some point as well. Um, depending on how long you, you keep doing them, but Oh, for uh, until I die okay, good. on stage while doing it. <laughs> um, it seems like that would be a great, like, that's a great uh, way to end the show. Yeah. Yeah. We're, <laughs> and we're, done. we're out. <laughs> no, I mean the crowd work show. You just die. Uh, oh, yeah. 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 And um, okay. And yeah, <laughs> apparently you got the light and uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but it seems like that'd be a good, that's a really good tool to have in your pocket too for like when you, when you are doing like a regular set and something doesn't go well. Yeah, because then you're sort of comfortable in that space of like, what the fuck do I do now? Yeah, everyone I admire in in stand up has a really really good um, ability to do crowd work, whether or not they they choose to do it. Um, you know, the people I I really look up to are you know people like Andrew Santino and Chris D'Elia. Yeah. When I first moved out here, I would watch them all the time, and uh, you know, I'd see their material, but then I would see how much fun they would have with the crowd work stuff and how effortless it was. And, uh, and I remember, especially with like, uh, watching Chris Alia, I remember him, the way he joked around with the crowd is the way that like me and my friends would joke around with each other. So I was like, Oh, you know, I wonder if people, if I just treated all these people like my friends, 
Like we laugh so hard. Like me and Steve Zaragoza laugh so hard. Yeah. Me and my friend Aaron um, Dejuna back in Stratford, Connecticut, laugh so hard all the time. And I'm like, we're not the only people like this. We might be like unique to us, but there has to be other people who would think that the same kind of shit is funny and the same kind of like, you know, weird vocal fuck ups or mispronouncing <laughs> words or just doing dumb shit with the microphone. Like there have to be other people like us who think that shit is funny. So it's always just like trying to find that audience. Dude, some of my favorite stuff, like dynamic banter, especially, uh, is like just the throw. It's the throwaway, like tiny little things. Like you said, like mispronouncing a word or yeah. just like a, <laughs> like a, a weird phrase or something like that. It's so funny. Yeah. It's so funny to me. Um, Dude, that kind of shit has always made me laugh. Always. Yeah. It's so funny. And it's like, yeah. I, I think what makes it so funny is it's like, it's such a small, like throwaway little moment. Um, I was listening. Uh, I posted this on Instagram the other day, but I was listening to dynamic banter like a few, like a week ago or so. Uh And I was like playing a video game and I had it on speaker and my (laughs) wife walked in and she was like, who Uh are these people and why are they yelling? (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, that's the perfect, (laughs) like that's the perfect introduction. I think to that podcast. Um, Yeah. uh, So funny to me. Um, Okay. So you're like, you're doing this. (laughs) That's our Yelp review. (laughs) five of five stars who are these people and why are they they and they yell a lot uh yeah um so you're like you're doing the you're doing the the comedy thing which seems to be going really well um which is awesome yeah and uh like you know youtube and like dude you were um i was so sad uh you were at source fed um Mm -hmm. for a second and then uh, you weren't there for a second because they fired you. You were there for a second. <laughs> they fired everyone. Yeah. Then no one was there for yeah. seconds. <laughs> um, but that was that was super cool. Do you like? Do you feel like you're interested in in finding another thing like that? Um, or are you like? Are you happy just like doing the comedy thing, doing you know the the Mike in the Morning stuff? Like, um, I mean, I always want to make money and have jobs that that is good but uh i am so busy sometimes i talk about wanting to make other people's money you know like everything mm. i do for money is very centered around me right now whether it's stand up or touring for stand up yeah. or youtube stuff or podcast stuff it all like i'm in front of the camera and it all has to do with me and it's something like they're all little businesses, but they're all like my businesses. Mm. So sometimes it's like I had fun going to source fed and being like, it's not my thing. Yeah. You know, it's this thing that we get to make for this huge built in audience that really appreciates it. And I love doing it because of that. I felt like a part of a bigger, different thing, you know? Mm. Um, So that was fun, but it was also like this, you know, it was like this established thing on YouTube that I got to be a part of that a lot of my friends helped build. So it was just, it was fun for a lot of different reasons. Um, and I wouldn't be opposed to doing something like it again, but there's, you know, I don't know too many things like it that I'd be, uh, that are similar yeah. really, you know, other than like Valley folk stuff and, yeah. you know, yeah. 
I don't really have the desire to be like a full-time Valley folk person because I think they have their own thing going on, you know? Um, and I like working with everybody, but, uh, you know, just different situations. Sure. I used to love and seek out that hosting thing a lot. And now it's like, if it happens, it happens, but I'm getting a little bit older and I find so much, um, of my enjoyment comes from the comedy stuff, like the stand up stuff or, you know, now people are starting to book me for acting things every now and again. So I'm trying to like be good at that. Yeah. It's also not like where my passion lies, but if people could see me in stuff or see me in an audition and be like, we think you're funny mm-hmm. and we know of your stand up and we're familiar with you because of what you've been doing for however many years, coming into an acting environment from that is very like, it's a fun new challenge. It's very rewarding, but, um, you know, I want to keep growing and, and yeah, keep doing all kinds of different stuff. Really. I like working and I still have the energy to, to work a lot. So and you just wrapped so up we, filming recently, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was in Atlanta filming like a, a sizzle for a movie. Do we do we get to know anything about that or is it too early still? Oh, dude, as soon as I get the okay, I'll tell everybody everything. Right on. You know, All right. but that's one of those things. It's like a another person's thing. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, yeah if it was sure. my thing, I would have ruined it a long time ago. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, just being in another person's thing is fun. So I uh, I'm gonna ask you for advice in a second, but I have I have something else I want to ask you first. Um, okay. So. One of the, one of the things that I, I think your audience appreciates about you for sure that I appreciate about you is that there's there's very little tolerance for bullshit. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it's it's so refreshing because I, f- I feel like most of the world has this like we all know what the fuck is going on, but none of us say it. Yeah. And I feel like you're the person that just says it, which is great. OK. Um. You think it's too much sometimes? Yeah, I'm wondering if you could just tone it down a bit is, <laughs> is my question. <laughs> Welcome back to tone it down. <laughs> you have people on and you wonder if they could just like yeah. take um, it easy. A so this bit. is the thing you're known for. I'm wondering if you could just tone it down a little <laughs> bit. Just a bit much. I'm uh, trying to get more of that in my stand-up as far as like a, I'm trying to figure out exactly what my convictions are as a, as a man, as a person, mm-hmm. as an adult. And uh, as soon as I could find some way to make all of those funny and, you know, talk about because that's I feel like I picked up the most momentum when I was doing that on YouTube, Mm. you know, in the form of those like walk and talk videos or the advice things is like, this is what I believe. You believe whatever you want. I have found in my past that if you do this, this will happen or this will save you a little bit of time on this. You just kind of leave me. Okay, great. Um, do you, so like the so if I could find a way to do that with stand up, I think that's the next level of like you know it's like you write jokes, you take ten years to figure out how to write a joke, and then you figure out what you believe in, and then you start trying to leave more of yourself on stage, and I think that's the goal for right on for stand up. That's, that's an interesting way to put it too. Like you're you're looking for your convictions because I I feel like in some way I'm definitely doing that, but I feel like in some way a lot of us are are doing that, and we're like you know a lot of us for a long time don't really know what it is that we believe and if we find it that's a great that's a plus you know um but in a lot of those like a lot of those advice videos but uh, like uh, just a lot of the conversations i hear you have anyway like 
somebody will ask you like, you know, this weird relationship thing or this friend thing or whatever the case may be. And I think a lot of the times what people are expecting is like, it's okay. You know, like you just, you know, like a very, like, um, a very sugar coated, uh, everything's going to be fine. Um, you know, here's how you, yeah, here's how you be as nice as possible. And a lot of the time it's like, if it's not working, like what the fuck are you doing chasing it? Or like, you know, whatever the case may be, like just whatever it is. Did, is that from your parents? Like where does, where does that like part of you come from? Or is that just like life experience has taught you like, yeah, bullshit just takes too much energy and time. I mean, I guess it would have to be whether it came from my parents or life experience would be based on specific videos or specific things. But most of it is just like self-reflection and the time thing, really. Like a lot of I'm trying to think of something I believe wholeheartedly now that I had to like learn in my 20s. And a lot of it was like, you know, if I would give a girl my number or something like that. And we would, you know, make plans to have coffee. And then we would keep, like, not being able to make plans. Like, I know what that is now. Mm -hmm. And I know why both people acted the way they did. It's like, I wanted a girlfriend, so I would keep pursuing this person who gave me the feeling like they wanted that as well. Mm -hmm. And then they, being like a 23-year-old girl or something like that, you just want everyone to like you. And you might have thought that I was nice, but you didn't want to date me. But you don't know how to say that as like a young adult, you know? So if I can make a video as like a 30-whatever-year-old talking about that kind of thing to young adults, I feel like the perfect end result is like neither of those two people waste their time doing that. And they're like, oh, this is that. Let's just be honest and let's be okay with that and then go on to the next thing. Yeah. You know, cause we meet so many people who are as far as just like love and relationship goes or whatever, you meet so many people who are not compatible with you. And then it's like in the dark, you try to feel around for why Yeah, that is. So the more connections you can make the earlier on, you know, you could have better relationships and, and shit like that. And that's all stuff that I've learned like by myself. So I just always feel like if I could say that and have any part of that resonate with someone, that's a worthwhile thing to say. Have you ever had anybody reach back out and be like, hey, thank you so much. This worked really well. Oh, for sure, dude. Over the past like fucking 13 years, like a lot of people. That's awesome. And then people will show up to shows. And dude, I had this girl in Tacoma, Washington. I almost lost my shit. She was like, she was like, I started watching you when I was like 14 or whatever in middle school. And you said some shit and, you know, like you've made my life better because of it and, and stuff like that. And, uh, that's just like so incredibly rewarding because the making of the thing itself came from a very, like, hopefully I could help someone Mm -hmm. type of a place. Like, obviously you want to be funny. I want people to like me. I want people to like come see me be funny and shit like that. But at the end of the day, it's like any artist wants to make sure what they're doing has some kind of positive effect on people. I think, you know, and just to get that validation that it does. Yeah. You know, it's, that's nice. I bet. Yeah. It's hard. Um, I'm sure like making something and then 
there's a lot of work and passion that goes into the making of a thing. And then you send it off into the void of the internet. And at that, it's like, who knows what's happening with it after that? Like it's sort of the, you're letting it go and hopefully it resonates with people and they find it helpful or, or whatever. But it's, it's like, that's the hardest, I think part to me of like creating things is the, just putting it out and then not knowing because it's hard mm-hmm. to know. So, so many times, like what effect it's having, if any. So I'm sure like the, the feedback, however, I, cause I'm sure it's not like super often like the, you know, the rule of the internet's like, you know, 2% of the, the people interact actually with things and whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But like, so I'm sure it's, it's incredible to get the feedback of, you know, this actually did help. Especially face to face. I mean, yeah. same thing with, you know, the stand-up comedy thing we can go back and forth forever but yeah um it's always nice to meet those people especially like people who, who say they've been watching for so long mm-hmm. like to be able to like because people fall off all the time you know yeah um but to be able to meet those people and to say thank you is is always real yeah real nice so here's the here's the advice i'll ask for and i'm asking uh-huh. not just for myself but on behalf hopefully of of people listening too if okay. if people are really want to create something and just don't really know where to start um, or if, you know, if the whole process seems intimidating or just if, you know, whatever the case may be, they're kind of stuck. Mm-hmm. Um, what advice would you give to those those people, people that want to create but just aren't really sure how to go about it? Um, I talked a lot. Did you see that Mike in the Morning with Alan Gannett, that author? I did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's this book that he wrote called The Creative Curve, and he talks about kind of, you know, where the creator comes from and and different um, traits that a lot of them have. And uh, this is a part of that. He talks about how if you want to create something, the first thing you should do is just consume a ridiculous amount of it. Like the the example he always gives is the guy who made Netflix he used to work at a video store. Mm. And he watched every video in the store. And so he was able to recommend videos to anyone who came in just by having like a small conversation with them. He had this like crazy skill because he had consumed so much of this media, you know? So I, I guess that's the first step is just to just be a fan, to be a real, real, real avid fan. And then eventually when you get older and you have your life experience and your convictions and stuff like that, there's things that you want to add in to the thing that you like, um, to kind of make it your own. And I think that's where it comes from. And then it's like, you have to decide, is it just a hobby, which is perfectly fine. Do I want to do this to try to make money for the rest of my life? And then you've got to, you know, weigh all the pros and cons of, you have this business now and, and whether or not it sinks and swims depends solely on how hard you have to work and not fool yourself, yeah. you know? Yeah. So there's like all these different levels to it. And then like people kind of weed themselves out. It's, it's one of the reasons why I never like jokingly, I'll say never become a comedian cause I know how hard it is, you know, but it's like emotionally, I would say that if you think it'll be fulfilling to try to, try it for as long as you want to try it, try it. Like everyone should, you know, do something that scares them or whatever. But I know 
through what I've experienced for the past 10 years is when 99% of the people see the, what you actually have to do to make this your life. Yeah. Most people will not do it. Yeah. You know, unless you have that desire and drive to, and if you don't, there's nothing wrong with that. It just means that it's not your thing, you know? Mm. So just consume a lot of whatever you think is your thing. And then think about what you could add to that. That's a little bit different. And, uh, really just check in with yourself all the time and figure out how it's making you feel. You know, if you're doing this thing over and over again, cause you think it's what you're supposed to do, but you're kind of ruining your life with it. And you, it makes you bummed out more than it makes you happy. Like definitely check back in with yourself and kind of be honest about where you are and yeah. how you're feeling about what you're doing. That second part answers the, the follow-up I had, which is how do you know? So like, it's going to be hard obviously, but how do you know when you've tried enough and like, it's okay to walk away, which is probably different for everybody to you, man. Yeah. But that second part I think answers that it's, you know, like, are you, is it just making you miserable? Um, or, you know, are you still getting something out of it? Yeah. Um, that's good. That's good advice, Mike. Yeah. Good. <laughs> good. Um, all right. So I, I have one more question. It's the question I ask everybody. Um, uh-huh. And so the, the name of the podcast is Good Humans. And so the question I ask everybody is, from your perspective, perspective and your opinion, what does it mean to be a good human? How do we go about that? What does it look like? Um, it's a big question, but, you know. No pressure. Uh, I think, I mean, if you're going to like live in the human race around other humans and see yourself and other humans and not think that you're too much better than everyone, um, like it's really important to, to have empathy. I think that makes a good human and, and, uh, not, you know, regardless of what you want to do, like check in with yourself again and make sure you're not being a dick. Like it's the kind of the least you could do to not be a dick. You know, it's like try to, and this is hard, especially in the moment if you have a unfortunate interaction with somebody, but it's like, always think about what other people are going through. It's like, we're all trying to figure this out, like how fucked up and weird the life is. And, and uh, no one has it all figured out and everyone's kind of doing their best and yeah. know the difference between being a dick and, and somebody, you know, just falling short of doing their best. Yeah. That and, uh, have empathy. Empathy is the big one, I think. Yeah. That's huge, dude. The, the idea of <clears throat> giving somebody the space to just be having a bad day, you know? Yeah. And so maybe, <clears throat> maybe they're being a dick in the moment, but like, it's kind of dickish too to just write somebody off because of one interaction as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it goes both ways. I feel. Um, yeah. Yeah. Are you, would you say you're a good human? Um, I'd like to think so. I think I was raised by good humans and I try to not fuck that up all the time. Yeah. All the time. All the time. I like, I like that answer. Yeah. Nobody's brought it back to their parents yet. I like it. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah I have great parents, man. Yeah. So 
like my dad is a, an incredible person. Like my good dad has a heart like nobody else. And my mom is like the smartest, most genuine person I, I know. So I just try to like, if I could be a good mixture of them both, I, I try to do that. Right. And they also taught me what it's like. Both of them worked so incredibly hard, you know? So I, I, I was a bullshit artist for a long time. Like, especially all throughout like high school and college, I just did like the bare minimum to get by. And they, they always disapproved of that. And then as soon as I, I switched my life to just work as hard as I could all the time, it's like, they always, you know, people recognize that. And I think they, they were really proud because that's what they had always done. You know? Do you think, do you think you were doing that because you weren't doing things you were actually interested in or passionate about or like what, where did the switch flip? No, I was a piece of shit and I still played music. <laughs> I don't know what it is. It's just learning what a hard work ethic is, I guess. Huh. Like for whatever reason, I didn't really give a shit about college. Like I just knew that you had to do it. Like yeah. high school too. It's like you have to do these classes and then you have to get these grades so you don't have to be here anymore. Yeah. And I never thought about it as making myself better or making myself smarter. And I would have like little glimpses of like, you know, I, I'd be really into science if they're teaching this, or I'd be really into my art classes, obviously. But it was mainly about like trying to get a girlfriend and trying to be on the baseball team and trying to play music and, you know, but now it's like, I read books to better myself. I fucking mm -hmm. like, you know, all these things and, you know, I'll spend hours trying to learn new skills and I'm always like crafting these jokes and fixing my art and try to be the best businessman I can to plan for the future to like be able to support a family by doing something creative. So it's just like you learn, you take your bumps and you learn from your shortcomings and, uh, learning a good work ethic and, and being very self-aware. I think that's a powerful combination of things right like to know when you're not working as hard as you should be <clears throat> mm -hmm. is something that like, I know my mom would have taught me way earlier if she could have, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Same, same. Yeah. Um, yeah. well, right on dude. Uh, you feel good. Are you? Yeah. This, okay. Um, yeah, that was great. Thank you for, I'm sorry this took so long again. Yeah, no worries. And, no worries. uh, thank you so much for doing it. I really enjoyed our conversation. Yeah, man. Um, what, uh, tell us where to find your stuff, um, or point us at whatever we should, you know, you want people to know about. Yeah, man. And, um, my name is Mike Falzone. And if you could spell that name, you could find me on pretty much any social media. I love Instagram. I love Twitter. Uh, MikeFalzone.com is a place where you can see all my stand updates and where I'm going. Um, YouTube.com slash MikeFalzone has been my online home since the beginning of time. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much everything. I have two podcasts. I have Welcome to Our Podcast with my wife Zoya that comes out every Monday or Tuesday. And then I have this podcast called Dynamic Banter with my one of my best friends, Steve Zaragoza. And uh, it's just crazy and we laugh a lot. So all things designed to help out a little bit and make you happy, yeah. hopefully. And I've, I've really been enjoying horny for the past as well. Yeah. Um, hell yeah, man. Dude, I hope, I hope you keep my that vintage going. clothing. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know what you would call it, dude. I don't know how it happened, but I have this vintage like t-shirt 
tiny little pop-up shop on the internet called Horny for the Past. It's so great. We do pins and t-shirts. And it's been like this, I don't, very, uh, I don't know what the, the word is. There's a word for it. Not lethargic. That means nostalgic? lazy. No, not nostalgic. What's the other one? Cathartic. Cathartic. Yeah, what does cathartic mean? That's like that's like experiencing, uh, like a release through an outlet. That's not like instead of going back in time, you're that's experiencing it. that. Yeah, dude, that's it. So going to to like yard sales or uh, certain shops or being given T-shirts that I that get like a remote emotional response from me. And then if I could put them up on sale and have somebody else grab those off the internet and have like a similar experience that has been like a cathartic thing yeah, man. for me. It's, and I really like it. It's so, so it's good. like my side business where I don't have to be like in front of a camera or it's so something good. Like, that. like just Thanks, scrolling man. through the feed and seeing all that stuff. Like it, it just makes me so happy. I'm sure it does you too, but like just seeing that stuff again is, is crazy. Um, cool. So yeah, it's, I'm glad you like it. Well, there will cool. be more of that stuff. Uh, it's really just me and Byron who have this, uh, this little business. Nice. So I, I find clothes and I send them off to him. And eventually when we get a certain number, we take a bunch of pictures and put them up. So it's a little slow on the uptake sometimes, but we're always, it's always going on in the background. So best business name a, ever to you. Yeah. Horny for the past. We're it's making so like hoodies and t-shirts. Yes, please. So that's, awesome. that's all I want to wear. I just want to yeah. wear a, a shirt that says horny for the past. That's amazing. A hundred percent. Well, you have one, whatever those come out, you have one sold for sure. Awesome. It'll um, be soon. So I'll let you know. Cool. All right, man. Uh, yeah. well, great. This was so much fun. I appreciate it. Um, cool, man. Did I, is there anything that you wish people would ask that I didn't ask or do we cover? I don't think so, man. It's always just like, like I was talking about before it's, it's such a joy to, to meet people who have been following it for such a long time. And I don't know how big that group of people is, you know, cause the, there's the 2% that talk and then yeah. the 98 that don't, but, um, you know, I appreciate you very much, especially being on since the music times that is, it means a lot to me. So, so thank you for, uh, having any questions really. <laughs> and the fact that we had, um, just a nice conversation well, yeah, man. from that is, yeah. is very, uh, is very cool. Very cool thing. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it. And on, on behalf of your fans, I think, I think you've, you've made all of our lives better in some way. So I, I appreciate the work you're doing as well. Um, cool. Man. I, obviously Thank I think you. you're a good human. That's why I had you on. Um, Sweet. I, I appreciate I think, that. I think everybody else will benefit from the conversation too. So it was good. Is um, it even, am I still a good human if I, if we postpone this 14 times? A hundred percent. Yeah. How close was I to not being on the podcast? Dude, I, honestly, I was going to say a funny answer and be like, yeah, you know, um, I really just did this as a favor to you at this point. But, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I like it. No, the honest answer is like, I, dude, I don't begrudge anybody. They're like scheduling stuff. Like I, you're a hundred percent more busy than i am so <laughs> dude i'm just sitting like this is a sunday afternoon like i'm just sitting here like if it's i wasn't nice, interviewing right? you 
I would be playing video games. So it's not a big deal on my end. Um, I'm going to go back to doing that right now. So yeah, it's, there's, it's no worries, dude. Um, all <laughs> awesome. right. Well, thanks. This is, we have a podcast. You, man. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, and send me your address and I'll, I'll send you some stuff. Awesome, dude. I will. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah. And until next week, people of earth be good to each other. Bye. Bye.